Has anyone not seen the Poynton video? Has anyone not heard of Poynton and what's happened there? No. So there are, so hands up. Who, who? Right, so I will still show. I mean, there's a long version, which is 14 minutes, which we haven't got time for, but there's a, I've got a sort of slightly shorter version, about seven minutes. So I'll, I'll show you that fairly soon then. Um, I mean, politics of rose space. I think the, the main two themes, not that I've really constructed my presentation along the lines of, of Tim's title, but it's a good title actually. And I was thinking, I was, as I was driving here today, that the two political themes, in a way, to what I, to my view of all this, is one that the current uh, traffic control system is based on inequality. Uh, which is another word for priority. You know, priority grants dominion of the road space to the vehicle, the, and and uh, and there are and that creates dangerous disadvantages to the the, the vulnerable roads. Why are there vulnerable road users? Because roads are designed for inequality. If if every junction were an all-way give way, everyone would have to slow down on the approach to a junction and would give way to each other, instead of being licensed to barrel through at high speeds and neglect the needs of the side road user or of the person, of the person on foot. And I think at a stroke, if we lived by equality instead of lived and died by priority, we would solve most of our road safety problems, you know, nearly all of our road safety problems. I mean, I think that a lot of accident statistics are spurious because they're based on the defective context or concept of priority. Um, equality, you know, we live by equality in all other walks of life. You know, imagine jumping a cash point queue. It's sort of unthinkable. You'd cause a riot. But on the road, we accept that sort of inequality without question. You know, I've, I'm driving along the main road even. I'm cycling along the main road. You on the side road, or you pedestrian, you've got to wait for me to pass. So there's an inbuilt, intrinsic, lethal conflict. Um, so right, so that's one theme of the politics of road space, and, and that's, to, to my mind, priority is the cancer or the original sin at the heart of the system that, that we all sort of take for granted. Um, I mean, when you. There's this little T-junction here, Parks Road, and where you... I mean, how absurd. You know, we can't think for ourselves. We have to be governed and ruled, and we have to obey a system of, of coloured lights. And, you know, um, as I was waiting to turn left, I mean, fair enough, there were some people on foot who needed to cross, but they could have... I would have, I would have let them go, you know, if they'd been there first. I wouldn't have run them over. I would have waited for them. Uh, but we all had, there was dead red time on the junction. Everyone had to wait for no good reason. And that dead red time creates, you know, vast quantities of avoidable emissions. Um, anyway, I run ahead of myself. Okay, so the other theme, uh, as I was thinking, I was driving here today on the politics of road space, is totalitarianism. It seems to me that the, current, the traffic control system is totalitarian. It, it won't let us think for ourselves, you know, um, I've been stopped five times by police for crossing a red light. 
three times on, on a bicycle in the city of London, twice in a car in Westminster. I mean, I crept slowly across the red light. There's nothing there. And, and I chatted to the policeman. And, I mean, they were, they were getting out their notebooks and they were going to... But after a chat, and they you know, I asked them sort of questions such as, can you tell me why I have to stop at a red light when no one's using the green? And they say, well, because it's the law. And I said, well, do you remember when you were a child and, and you know, you said you, you wanted to stay out and watch TV and your parents said, well, no, you go to bed now. And you, and you said, why, as a child? Uh, and they said, the parents said, because I say so. Well, that's how the traffic authorities treat us. You know, I say, I've got proof of proficiency. Of, you know, I, I, my, my senses are, are fine. You know, I can see, I can hear. And I've got proof of proficiency in the form of a driving license. Now, I'll ask you again. Can you tell me why I have to stop at a red light when there's no conflicting traffic, you know, when the junction's empty? And the policemen end up agreeing with you and saying, uh, putting away their notebook and saying, I'm wishing you a good day, you know. <laughs> so that's... Um, right, so I will quickly get on to the presentation because <laughs> I did make some notes. I might have covered some of the points already. Um, Let's just check. Right, videos. Now, I wonder whether to show this video. Maybe I'll show this one now, actually. So, which. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> Hang on a sec. Okay, right. So, we'll show this one. I hope the sound's okay. It has to connect to YouTube. Very busy junction. Obviously, main arterial route is London Road South to North and vice versa. It's not the safest of junctions. We do have quite a number of accidents here. If I'm trying to cross the roads, I get stuck in the islands with my pram. That's a little bit dangerous, especially the traffic goes quite fast sometimes. Over the years, the increase in traffic and the steps taken to try to deal with that have changed this place from being the heart of the village into being merely a traffic signal controlled wasteland. Of course, what it does is to cut off one half of the village from the other. So people who live over here on the west side have to cross four lanes of traffic to get to the pastry. So people can now buy all their goods and services from out of town superstores or off the internet. There's no functional necessity to come into Poynton at all. We're here to revitalise the village centre. The status quo isn't really an option. You can see how bad it is now. We've got to do something. We looked at pedestrianisation, we looked at opening up side roads, and everything we looked at didn't actually do anything for Poynton. It just moved traffic faster. Our challenge is to find a way to accommodate that flow of traffic that doesn't cut this village in half. And to do that, the scheme is about creating slow, speed, continuous traffic movement. There's a misconception 
that if you take away the lights, people are going to drive fast. Actually, the opposite is true. It's the green light that encourages the speed, that licenses the aggression. If you take away the light, and there's uncertainty at the junction, people naturally approach slowly and filter. That's just as we do. That's absolutely right, isn't it? People sit there and track it up, revving the engine, waiting to get away. And if they come up to a, light where, a junction where there's no light, they, they do go slowly. It's a huge trunk load. I honestly, passionately believe you cannot make a junction as busy as this into shared space. Shared space is a term which simply describes a shift in thinking away from the regulated highway towards using the natural skills that humans are blessed with to negotiate movement and to allow the normal civilities of life to continue. Shared space is not new. It's the way streets have always been. It's only in the last 50 or 60 years that we've believed it's important to segregate traffic from other aspects of life. The scheme will hugely increase the space available to pedestrians because as we reduce the speeds, the amount of space that's needed for vehicles diminishes. A street becomes much easier to cross the narrower the space you have to cross. Nobody till now has applied these principles to such a busy intersection. It is, in our view, the only way to retain the qualities of Poynton whilst keeping the highway function going. The guiding light has got to be what is best for Poynton in the long term. It's been hell to have been here whilst this has been going on. We would not have gone to the trouble we have to get the investment if we didn't think it had some chance of success. The most important thing was revitalising Poynton. Poynton was dying. It's always hugely exciting to see a scheme finally in place after so many years of difficulties and persuasion and struggle and testing. I can remember when we first sketched on a bit of paper this double roundel here. At the time, so many people said that's impossible. Well, I was a little bit sceptical at first about it. I was a hardened, quite against it maybe even, but I'm no longer sceptical. Yeah, it's safer, it's quicker. Have my worst fears been realised? No, not at that juncture. At the moment, that juncture has been accident safe. We've found in place the numbers of accidents incredibly reduced, whereas prior to the scheme with traffic lights, we had quite a few serious incidents involving pedestrians, whereas now we haven't had one. And when you think back to the way this was, the division that this created in the middle of Compton, it has become a different, different sort of town, it's a different place. What's often difficult to remember is now how much more space we have here. Mm. But taking out three lanes on the approach roads on either side before, uh, now down to a single lane approach, a lot of people at the time thought that was impossible. You couldn't cope with this volume of traffic with only single lane approaches. And I think what Ponton has demonstrated is that it is possible to create this continuous flow, low speed environment, still cope with pedestrian crossing movements, and most importantly, recreate a space, a, a place outside the church in the centre of Fountain Place here, which is part of the town and is no longer merely an appendage to the highway. This is a different street. It certainly doesn't feel like a dying small town high street anymore. 
what we've done through the design and all the rest of it is unified both sides of the street and the public feel that they can cross anywhere. But if you understand the background of the scheme, you can see why that is yeah. a good thing. There is tactile paving, there's a contrast. The advantages of shared space for blind people are the nice, wide, flat pavements, plus the absence of curves. People with a physical disability, it's absolutely marvellous. I find um, all traffic, um, vans, cars, motorcycles, very, very courteous. By investing as we have done, we believe that we've established a place where people want to be that will serve us not just for the next year or two, but for many years to come. What this has done is to move forward our understanding of traffic and people uh, interface and interaction. And it's, and it's done so in a way that I hope will be a benefit not just for Poynton, but for many other towns that don't have bypasses that have to cope with lots and lots of traffic and, and, and movement. It has a very calming effect. And I think we're all being kinder to each other. So that uh, place is called Poynton, and it's near Manchester. It's in Cheshire. Right. Thanks, Jenny. So, right, here we go. Um, yeah, I'm sort of going back to traffic on the roads. You see here, this, this is Bristol, just outside Bristol. You see there's a, um, it's a typical T-junction. The main road has priority. Some, I mean, those cars trying to get out of the side road in rush hour have real difficulty. Why do we have traffic lights? to break the priority streams of traffic so others can cross or enter the streams. But if we had dotted lines all the way round, you know, all, all the entrances to the junction, if it was an all-way give way, everyone would take it in turns. And traffic is very much like liquid. Um, a river c accommodates its tributaries just in the same way as main road traffic could accommodate side road traffic all it needs to do is take its foot off the accelerator you know whereas they put up traffic lights they so they make a stop to so we avoid the inconvenience of slowing down you know there's a big irony there I was hoping that might get a little laugh but <laughs> <laughs> um, so right priority versus equality I'll, I'll let you read some of this can you, can you all... Can, did everyone hear at the back the film? Was that okay? Right. Why indeed? Tell me if I'm going too fast. I don't think I am. You're all highly intelligent in, in Oxford. <laughs> Um, I mean, just to expand a bit on that delinquent thing, it does turn us into antisocial beings. You know, they say that when a human gets behind a wheel, they they turn into a different person. Well, I think the reason, if they if they do, it's because of the rules of the road by which we're expected to operate.
um, you know, we suddenly, um, I mean, the basic rule of the road, well, the traffic light itself, flouts the, ba- the, basic, the, fu- the, the basic rule of road safety, which is surely to watch where you're going and to watch other road users. But what does the traffic light do? It takes our eyes off the road, and that takes us directly to what Justin is um, talking about. The, and, and, and those terrible accidents, those, well, they're not accidents, actually. I mean, I think they're avoidable events because um, the, a lot of the truck drivers are watching the traffic lights, actually, instead of watching the road. Um, so <coughs> so we, it turns us into delinquents because it sort of says you can ignore the needs of other road users because if you've got a green light or if you're on a main road, then... You, you can just go on autopilot. You just sort of, you, it's your priority. You can insist on your priority. You're within the law in, in insisting on priority. If you hit someone as you cross a green light if, within the speed limit, you're absolved, absolved of guilt. You know, there's no guilt on you. You've killed a child, but the, there's, the blame is, is put on the, um, the child. Just as Justin is saying that so much of the blame for these, in quotes, accidents involving lorry drivers and cyclists and all regulation is put on the driver. So the, the victim of the fallout from the priority system is always blamed, but I blame the system itself. Um, so, uh, yes, OK, priority... Making us stop when we don't need to. You know, if we if we could filter sociably and gent- at gentle speeds, um, we we would use less fuel and uh, produce far fewer emissions. Um, actually, I come back to this in a minute, so I'll carry on. And I said this before that traffic lights. Sorry, that priority produces a need for traffic lights to break the priority streams of traffic so others can enter or cross, which to me is a, is a ridiculous exercise in self-defeat. I mean, look at the cost of it. An average traffic light costs 150000 There are about 45,000 traffic lights in the UK. No one really knows how many. The DFT doesn't even know. Um, so, so in installation costs alone, we've got a figure of nearly seven billion, and then you get the maintenance costs are nearly ten percent a year for every set of traffic lights, and then they need upgrades every fifteen years. I mean, that's not to mention the accidents they cause, the the congestion they cause. Um, two organisations put the cost of congestion to the economy at twenty billion a year. Fried white, that's the square. I mean, my friend here, David Freud, tells me that Friedswide is pronounced Fridiswider. Is that the Anglo-Saxon pronunciation, did you say? Middle English. English. (laughs) Did you do an English degree here? I must admit. He's a graduate from St. Cat's, this young man. Well, he was a young man when I knew him as an undergraduate. Um, But that's the, the square outside the station, which, you know, thankfully is now free of traffic lights. Ben... Uh, did the original designs, shared space design for there. It's good to see it finally happening. But I mean, still Oxford is plagued by, uh, you know, great 
galaxy of unnecessary traffic lights. Yeah. I mean, just very quickly. Um, I mean, obviously I cycled in Cambridge as much as I could and walked, but sometimes you have to drive. And th- th- does anyone know Cambridge? Do you know where the Catholic Church is? Yes. Right. Uh, it's quite a busy junction. And every time I would come from sort of East Road or in any direction to cross that junction, it would take me at least five minutes because you'd have to wait for three entire signal changes, you know, the traffic lights to change three times. On the, one particular day, um, I say there was no... It, the place was deserted. And I thought, was there a bank holiday that no-one's told me about? But in fact, as I passed through the junction, I noticed the traffic lights were out of action. So, I mean, I'd often thought up until then that traffic lights were badly timed or phased, but then I realised that, per se, traffic lights are just bad news, especially in an urban setting. You know, if you design for equality and if you get rid of the traffic lights, you, um, you know, pe- people make common cause. OK, I might be getting a little bit contentious here, um, but I, I do... It does make me angry that we live under this regime, um, which some of us have been... <coughs> try, you know, I mean, I've briefed two roads ministers. <coughs> do they do anything about it? That figure of seven million um, comes from the UN. Than, obviously I meant than. Um, I say infinitely, I put it in brackets, but if you multiply... Th- th- there's a place called Portishead where I... I managed to persuade the authorities to switch off the traffic lights. On the Quality Streets website, you can find all these videos. Um, And monitoring showed that congestion, or that journey times fell by over half. In fact, I've got, I interviewed someone in the video who said it took her, normally took her 20 minutes to get home from work. And since we, we bagged over the lights, it took her five minutes and she timed it, and I believe her. She's a very convincing interviewee. But anyway, monitoring over nine months by um, a, an engineering firm that I work with established that uh, journey times had fallen by over half. So if you multi- and, and cost-wise, that, uh, that meant a saving of something like, I think it was half a million in that one junction alone. Was it half a million? No, it's, it was 450 million. So if you multiply that cost saving across every junction in the UK, you can, I mean, it's just huge. And then the, the time savings are so vast as well, potentially. And, it's, and if it went on forever, you'd have infinite, <laughs> you'd reach infinity, an infinity of improvement, I suspect. And this is when we're allowed to think for ourselves, act independently, responsibly, you know, if you give people responsibility, they usually meet meet the um, rise to the occasion. Oh, yeah, I've said that. Yes. So, I mean, I don't know if you heard, but the PC in the little film there said that we he used that when there was the conventional traffic control in point, and there was a lot of accidents. They've now stopped happening. In the two years since the scheme opened, they've had no accidents.
quite like that. <laughs> um, fun. I mean, I, I, I think fun is, is right because, you know, our personalities change when we get behind a wheel. I mean, we, we see red when we're stopped at a red light for no good reason. When we're interacting on a level playing field with other road users, this is actually fun. It's enjoyable. So when I talk about reassigning carriageway space, I'm talking about the way Ben in that scheme in Poynton uh, took away quite a lot of um, carriageway space from the, you know, the, the, it was originally three lanes met, three lanes met, two lanes met, one. Now it's all single lane approaches at that juncture with no signal control. And it works, you know. So um, one of the fantastic advantages of doing that is that you gain a huge amount of living room for other road users. I've been given a five-minute warning. Okay, I'm, can you all read quickly? Yeah, you can all Place making... Now here's an example, this is, you could say, this is by the way in Pimlico, uh, you could say this is a bit of shared space here, that those nice granite sets, but the woman is still having to wait and fear traffic, even though, uh, so, so if it was equality instead of priority, she would be able to walk across the road without looking because drivers would, be a, would know that they didn't own the road anymore. Oh, that was an early um, name for my campaign. FIT stood for filter in turn. And, and I was playing on the phrase fit for purpose. And, you know, roads, as they are currently misconceived, in my view, are not fit for people. Uh, but but with, given equality in what I'm talking about, they could be. So that woman, in my view, is kind of like misplaced deference. She's having to defer to vehicles because of the rules of the road. And the drivers don't know what they're, they don't, they need to unlearn these bad habits. <coughs> this was just a lovely, gentle jumble of traffic, everyone kind of muddling through with, with no lights. And it, it worked a treat. This is on one of my videos as well. You've seen that shot from that shot from in there. Right, a cab driver I interviewed when I did that video, I asked him, you know, what do you think of it when traffic lights are out of action? This is what he said, and in a way it sums it up. I mean, that's all. It's that simple. Um, I mean, I'm, have I got to stop now? Uh, two, three more I mean, I think about country roads. Think of rural roads. Think of driving down to Devon or Cornwall or something. And then think of the people, if, if there's not a roundabout, but there's a, 
I mean, they, are, they stagger the junctions now. But people can be waiting indefinitely at a side road to, to get out because you've got unbroken streams of holiday traffic barreling along at 50 or 60. But if, you know, as I said before, if it was an all-way give way, the, the main road traffic just simply slow down, take its foot off the acceleration, everyone else... So everyone will get a fair bite of the, of the cherry, a fair crack of the whip. So the law is just diabolical, I think. And that's why we get these terrible accidents. You don't... I mean, if you get a little... At a, an all-way give way or filter in turn or shared, shared space, you, would, you might get the odd little bump, but you wouldn't get any lethal accidents. <clears throat> now, um, I put the S there in capitals because traffic engineers tend to think that the only purpose of a road or public space is to keep traffic moving. But... Um, So um, a compatriot of uh, Tim, because uh, Tim's Dutch, in case you didn't know, Hans Monderman is, is a well-known traffic engineer who was in a position to do something about these ideas. And he, he told me in the Newsnight piece, he's dead now, unfortunately, um, he talked about rebalancing the movement and social functions of the space. You know, Traffic engineers think that roads are purely for movement and getting traffic through, but that public space, the space between buildings, the public realm, is actually has serves a social function as well. And with the quality streets or shared space, you you accommodate both functions. I mean, I've got quite a lot more to to say here, but I mean, maybe I should stop, should I? Just do this slide. All right. Just another couple of questions. <laughs> shall, shall I that, that's a stop there? Question. All right. Okay.